the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Friends, let us revel in the mystery of the Incarnation, the love of God made flesh and bone and blood, A reading from the letter to the Philippians. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the words of our God will endure forever. The Apostle writes, If our life in Christ means anything to you, if love or the spirit that we have in common or any tenderness or sympathy can persuade you at all, then be united in your convictions and united in your love with a common purpose and a common mind. That is the one thing that would make me completely happy. There must be no competition among you, no conceit, but everybody is to be humble. Value others over yourselves, each of you thinking, of the interest of others before your own. Your attitude must be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, though in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be clung to, but instead became completely empty and took on the form of an enslaved human being, born into the human condition, Found in the likeness of humankind, Jesus was thus humbled, obediently accepting death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God highly exalted Christ and gave to Jesus the name above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth must bend and every tongue proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This time last year, audiences flocked to theaters to see their favorite British nanny return to the silver screen. When tragedy strikes, When those eerie old men at Fidelity Fiduciary threatened to repossess the Banks' family home, who comes sailing down out of the clouds to save the day? Mary Poppins, of course. And not a day older than she appeared to be in the 1964 Disney classic. In the world of Mary Poppins, It only takes a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. For every job there's to be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun 
and snap, the job's a game. When Mary takes your hand and leaps, you're jumping not into the void, but into a chalk drawing come to life, complete with dancing penguins and stylish derby outfits. The world of Disney's Mary Poppins is, in a word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And it only lasts until a rainstorm washes away the chalk or another wind blows in from the east. P.L. Travers, the author of the original Mary Poppins books, famously hated Disney's adaptation. Hollywood oversweetened her heart and sharp character, and she thought that Julie Andrews was too pretty to play the plain and prim nanny. But beyond artistic differences was the matter of worldview. You see, Walt Disney was insistent on positivity in his studios. He was a great optimist. He had great faith in humanity. Travers, for her part, believed that there is a great darkness in life. And if you really want to serve children, you tell the truth about that darkness. To serve us all, the poetry and prose and prophecies of our ancestors collected in the Bible tell the truth about that darkness and about how Christ descended into that darkness to serve and to save. Genesis opens with darkness upon the face of the deep, a darkness made more interesting with light and land and living creatures, but is never banished by them. The Creator makes a place for darkness, as much in the night hours as in the shade of a tree or in the cool of deep caverns. Troubling darkness may hide God's presence from our eyes. Terrifying darkness may reveal God's intentions to upend the world as we know it. But the Holy One, who appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai in a thick cloud shot through with flashes of lightning, arrives in Bethlehem in shadows, in obscurity, only astronomers from distant lands can discern the star that marks his birth. Only to the lowest and the least of laborers do angels appear, lighting up the night sky. Tonight, we remember the word became flesh. But what kind of flesh did the word become? Human flesh, yes, a human body with emotions and needs and limitations, but more, enslaved flesh, a human body weighed down in suffering, a human being who knew life's darkness 
as much as we here do. We know this darkness. It flashes past us in the blast of fire engine lights, announcing that life and limb are at risk. It forges hurtful words in the furnace of our anger and shame and grief. It pulls us into the undertow of resentment and numbness. We know this darkness. We can feel it lurking behind the brightness of hospital lights. We can feel it fill the emptiness after the bad news settles. We can feel it rock us in its arms when the bottom falls out. This is the world into which the word came. Because the word loves the world. With love and delight in creation, the word sang out starlight and sea creatures. The word shaped mountain ranges and microscopic powerhouses of life. With passionate love, the word called creation good, again and again, good, good, good. Even when our first parents refused connection with their creator, even when Adam and Eve and all of their descendants choose to hide behind fig leaves, rather than face each other with vulnerability, even then, the word speaks love, speaking louder than despair. Walking with Sarah and Abraham, leading the people through the sea from slavery to freedom, blessing them with Torah, challenging them with prophets, the Holy One holds on to hope that this beloved world might yet be redeemed. And because love tells the truth, that hope also owns up to darkness. But we refuse that wholehearted hope. Give us an easy solution, please, God. Descend from the clouds on, on an umbrella like Mary Poppins. Don't go to the trouble of being born. Don't go to the trouble of trying to wrap words around the kingdom of God. Don't go to the trouble of dying on a cross. And don't make us go to the trouble of being reborn. Please, just give us a painkiller. That's why Brene Brown went back to church. In the course of her research, Brown, a researcher, a scholar on grief and shame, had a breakdown, what her therapist called a spiritual awakening. This is hard. This hurts, Brown recalls. I went back to church thinking that it would be like an epidural. It would take the pain away. But descending into that darkness, Brown quickly realized that faith was not an epidural at all. Faith is like a midwife. 
she said, who just stood next to me saying, push. It's supposed to hurt a little bit. I thought Faith would say, I'll take away the pain and discomfort. But what ended up, what Faith ended up saying was, I'll sit with you in it. <coughs> Here, beside us is Christ, in the form of one who serves, sitting with us, holding our hand, urging us to push. Here is Christ, who embraces the human condition, death, darkness, and all, who grabs our hand and urges us to take a leap of faith. Here is Christ, not with an Advil and a glass of water for us, but a promise that death's vice grip is broken forever, that a baby born in shadows is in fact the one whom God has exalted to be Lord over every power in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. <clears throat> Friends, my prayer for us all this holy night is that Christmas will not be a painkiller. I don't mean it should be a killjoy, but I but more than comfort, more than comfort, I pray Christ gives us courage. Courage to be his disciples. Courage to serve the common good. Courage to descend into our own darkness, into the unknown, to find Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us there. I pray for the same presence of heart that the narrator in Lowell Yeager's poem, Okay, possesses. Listen. There's a man in the road, waving. We're driving home from Hot Springs, my wife and I and our three kids. He's holding something bundled in his arms. Don't stop, my wife telegraphs to me with a sideways glance. I'm okay with that. It's a dog, the kids shout. He's carrying a dog. So okay, I stop. Roll down the window. Please help, the man says, tears leaking down his stubbled chin. The dog is bleeding. He's rolled up in an old rug, eyes open, miserable. Just ran over my dog. The man blubbers. He's drunk and stinks. Okay, I'm thinking. I'm stuck with this. The kids squeeze together. The man and dog huff and groan, sniffle and slide themselves into our lives. My kids' faces in the rear view are pinched, afraid to breathe. Wet dog, blood, booze, rotting socks. The man whimpers, cradles his dog. I'm so sorry, man. 
so, so sorry. This is less than okay. We spit gravel behind us and speed back to Hot Springs to find a vet. It's a Sunday, my wife whispers. Everything's locked up. Okay, I'm thinking. What now? At the one payphone on Main, I pull over to let the man and dog out. You better call someone, I say. My voice sounds afraid. The man's eyes are shut. Not asleep, but almost. The dog's eyes are shut too. You better call someone, I say louder. Okay? Okay? The man stands at the payphone, his dog bundled on the sidewalk. He just stands there. My kids cry silently. My wife trusts me to be the man she hopes I am. I don't know what's okay, what's not. The man is fumbling in his empty pockets for change. I feel a lot like that. Fumbling in the dark? We are not alone. Christ is with us. The love of God, made flesh and bone and blood, comes alongside us so that we, by some miracle, might love one another. Joyful is the dark, friends, for there Christ offers us grace beyond measure. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, creator of the stars of night, day spring from on high, flame of love in our hearts. Amen.